Today's two peas in a podcast is brought to you by Ward Keller. Ward Keller is the Northern Territory's leading law firm, providing legal advice to businesses and individuals. With offices located in Darwin, Alice Springs, Palmerston and Casuarina, their lawyers also service clients in Catherine, Tennant Creek and Nullumboy. Their services include personal law, family law, personal injury law, workers' compensation, employment law, conveyancing and debt collection, among other things. All right, guys, Peter Kafkis here with Peter Gowers, and today we come to you live from Level 7 in Darwin City. I believe it is the Ward Keller uh, office office room. You're correct, and I was going to say it's a, a boatload better than our normal location. No offence, oh. but we've, uh, <laughs> we've packed up the studio and we've taken it on location. And we are staring at the birthday cake. Uh, wedding cake. Wedding cake. Yeah. Whatever they call yeah, it. Yeah. Right. I've been here 33 years. I still don't even know that. For the, for the benefit of our guests who we'll introduce in a moment, and, that's um, the uh, local name for the government office. Because it, right. it looks like a wedding cake. Well, who is this mysterious guest? Well, today I have with me Bill Savarino, or should, I should say we have with us, <laughs> Bill Savarino. Did I say that right, Bill? You did. You thank, did. Thank you. Uh, Bill's here from Washington, D.C., he is a lawyer specializing in U.S. defense contracting and will be here to train local NT companies on how to bid and manage tenders with the U.S. defense. Now, I'm going to say this from my angle. My angle. So, Leon mentioned that he found some awesome lawyers over there in the States. And the problem with a lot of our local people is you can get these defense contracts and they really don't know how to read them. So, Leon sort of mentioned, you know how to turn that around and make them readable. Is that sort of on the right path there? It is. It is. These things are uh, monsters. Yes. We, we call them solicitations. Right. Or requests mm. for proposals. Yes. And they can be uh, 50, 60, 100, 200 pages long, mm. filled with unbelievable boilerplate that if you're not familiar with the terms it's kind of like the australian slang if you come from a foreign country yep. you can't keep up with the conversation unless you know the slang yeah, yeah, yeah. if you don't know the terms you can be intimidated you cannot understand things yep it can turn you off because these solicitations are filled with requirements and clauses often contradictory sometimes using strange, yeah. archaic terms. So having somebody that has been through it a few times is useful. It's really helpful to be able to understand what are you bidding on? Do you fit this work requirement? Because that's the first thing. Yeah, of course. Do, do, yeah. do you have the skills? You know, How do you know if you have the skills if you don't really understand what they're, they're buying? Yeah. So, yeah, there's a part of that. Wow. Okay, well, before we get into that, a yeah. quick um, intro, if you like, where you came from, um, where you grew up, how you got into law, and the last question, I guess, what brought you to Darwin? Well, I think you need to Australianise that last question. <laughs> what the bloody hell are you doing? What the? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Well, like you guys, I was born on planet Earth and pretty proud of it. Mm. Uh, I, you won the lottery like us. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Only I lost my hair and you had it. <laughs> uh, born and raised on the East Coast of the United States the mm-hmm. former free capital of the world, <laughs> and uh, yep. was introduced to federal procurements through my father, who was active in that regard mm-hmm. as a profession. 
Uh, didn't want to continue my uh, work at a public accounting firm after college, so I went to law school. Uh, I was going to be a tax lawyer, God forbid. Wow. But um, I graduated and uh, took up a position with the U.S. federal government hmm. in their procurement office for the U.S. Department of Commerce. So just really quickly, for, for the uninitiated, yes. please define procurement. So uh, governments uh, cannot sustain themselves. Okay. And right. there's good reason for that. You know, we want them to be lean and mean. Mm-hmm. So they procure, they buy yep. goods and services. Uh, it can be as simple as a pencil or yep. bunches of pencils. It can be as complex as nuclear submarines. But they buy goods and they buy services. That act of procuring goods and services is called government contracts. Government contracts is a very archaic field, mm. generally. Inside the Beltway, which is what we call inside Washington, it's rife. Right. Every law firm has some government contract lawyers there because the business in Washington is about buying and selling products to and from the United States. The rules attendant to this procurement activity are enormous. Mm. There's federal statutes that come from Congress. There's agencies that have regulations. And then there, as Brad has said, there's sub-agencies with sub-regulations. So, and then in between all this is the know-how. It's yeah. the inner workings of, well, how does this really make me money? How does this really produce a contract for me? I know I've seen a movie on this, right? The, the, um, <laughs> really? Yeah, in, in recent years. The, I'm thinking they're comedians, but I could be completely wrong. Where the, the guys get the... Um, they start supplying... The war dogs. Yeah. Yes. I saw okay. that movie on a plane. I was like, that's real life though, isn't it? It is. Yeah. That's well yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. So they they basically, long story short, they they were just these small time sellers, I suppose, to procurement agencies, and then they weapons, thought we can yeah. step this up a bit, and started selling weapons to countries they weren't meant to, and going in via the back door. Anyway, maybe oh, we well, leave that for okay. another day. Well, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. But yeah. you, what you take from that is that yeah. you can be small. Yeah. Find your niche. And make a ton of money. Yeah, uh-huh. which we've just had a um, we've just had an Australian version of that, where um, like a, an eco-friendly small company in Queensland, whose budget for this year was ten million dollars, and the former prime minister who got rolled about three days ago, um, that's now our third prime minister in a first-term government. But we'll leave that for another conversation. They just out of the blue issued these guys with a $450 million contract. Imagine that. Imagine that. And no bid. No bid. No bid, no. In fact, I think you called a donation, wouldn't you? Yes, well, let's just... um, There is one other gentleman in the room, Mr. Bradley Torgan. Did I say that right? You did. You are a senior lawyer here at Ward Keller? I am. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, we should should intro Brad as well. What do you do, Brad, here? Uh, I uh, am an American-trained lawyer, now living in Darwin, licensed still in the States, as well as in the Northern Territory. Uh, I do primarily environmental regulatory compliance, but also I do U.S. defense procurement here in Darwin. And by the way, I would call him an expert in that. He doesn't doubt He's an expert. Yeah, okay. So have you had to retrain? Uh, Not really. I'm a recovering bureaucrat. Okay. Um, spent several years. Yeah, spent a number of years um, in both local government in uh, 
North Carolina, as well as state government in the Schwarzenegger administration. Ooh. Um, and so you, you know, bureaucraties just is a second language. And so you'd be well versed on bankruptcy law as well then? No. <laughs> Sorry, little share. Little dig there, Annie. So I, re- I remember <laughs> at one point talking to Bill as I started delving into the what are called the federal acquisition regulations, and I go, these made perfect sense to me. Should I be worried? Yeah, yeah. And my yeah. answer was yes. <laughs> so, so getting back to your stuff, because yeah. you, you touched on it before, and it was the first thing that came to mind. You've got these massive documents, we'll call them, that are kind of the eligibility criteria. Yeah. But they're often at odds with each other. They can be. So, so how much of those documents, in percentage terms, really could you discard... Well, I'd be delighted to tell you, but my hourly fee for that. <laughs> Come on. So every procurement, and Brad will tell you, Brad's very experienced in these things, he'll tell you uh, every procurement is always the same and it's always different. Mm. So I can't tell you specifics unless you read the specific documents. But in the United States, many procurement companies, contractors we call them, will blow through the boiler plate, which is the standard clauses, just too much to have to deal with. They'll have a vague understanding what it's all about. There are central areas of a solicitation that are pivotal. And they know how to go to those pivotal areas, understand them, and then game them to their advantage. Okay. And let me just tell you how I got here and why I'm here. I forgot to address it. It's a good point. So I've been to Darwin. This is my third trip to Darwin. I happen to be a Darwin fan. Oh, okay. I know. I know. Uh, I've been been all over Australia, but I happen to like the vibe here in Darwin. Cool. And as I've said before, and I'll keep repeating to anybody who'll listen, the more people I meet in Darwin, the more I want to move here and live here. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice people. Great vibe. I got to meet uh, Brother Leon Loganathan of yep. Ward Keller uh, many years ago through an organization that I was chairing at the time called Lawyers Associated Worldwide. We're both Our firms are both members, but Leon and I come from smaller firms, <clears throat> and we fell together, and we yep. fit together. And so he had mentioned to me about the buildup here in Darwin, <laughs> the slow buildup, yep. but deliberate buildup, of the U.S. Defense Forces. I thought you were talking about the weather build-up that we have every year. <laughs> Sorry, I know where you're going now. Well, yeah. I've got D.C. weather to compete yeah, with you, yeah. so... Uh, true, true. Yeah. yeah, I've been through a build-up, and um, I, I, will take the, I will take the build-up here to August in Washington, D.C. any day. So I'm originally from Melbourne, right? And my Victorian friends who you know live in temperate climate all year round, maybe the odd day in summer, which hits the 40s, but most of the year it's it's pretty bland, but it does get cold during the winter. They'll always say to me, oh, how do you stand it up there? You know, it's hot and it's humid. And I'll just say to them, listen, I'll take humidity any day of the week over July in Melbourne when it's zero to two degrees, drizzle, not rain, but that crap drizzle that just makes you damp and cold all day. And sideways freaking wind. I used to go to school in that for however many years. I'll take the build up here. I'll take a bit of sweat and a bit of heat, put the AC on, have a cold shower. It's all good. <laughs> well, you've got the way to survive in Washington then, because our Washington weathers, as uh, Brad knows, he used to live there. Uh, hot, humid, uninhabitable. Okay. Oh, wow. Anyway, so I got here uh, because Leon had seen the uh, gradual build up, and Brad too. And uh, it was brought to my attention that uh, some of the Northern Territory companies could benefit from some inside 
mm. uh, experience. And uh, so I came to augment Brad and his team to help the, f the folks here really understand what it takes to win and successfully perform these contracts. Yeah, because I, I, I came here a little differently. Um, I took a. Excuse me. Yours was court ordered. Yeah, no. I, I took a professional sabbatical and uh, went to the University of Sydney to do some postgraduate work. Oh wow! And uh, decided I wanted to stay here. And um, opportunity presented itself in Darwin, and I came to the conclusion pretty quick: there's a lot more opportunity up here, really, than Sydney or Melbourne. Um, absolutely. And, and um, absolutely, uh, it's just a matter of you've got to want to seize it. Uh, yep. And um, it seemed like a fun challenge. And I, I actually came up in an interview during Queen's Birthday Weekend 2015, yep. and I'm like, I'm sold. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Every, I say to my friends, if you want to come and visit, you come in October. If you're a true friend, you come during the build-up, you do the hard yards, and then you welcome yep. back next dry season. So any, anyone can survive in June. Right. But that's, um, but that's I, a good introduction. I, I, I survived the dry and the wet just fine. Nice. And um, I haven't been disappointed by the opportunity up here. Okay. Well, that's good. Bill. Sir. We're going to take a little a little move left. I'm nervous. <laughs> so I want to talk about porn. <laughs> okay. Because I, I saw an article that either you wrote or was written about something that you did mm -hmm. uh, and talking about clearance eligibility being uh, hurt or otherwise. Let's talk. I'm also a uh, security clearance lawyer. I help U.S. companies uh, get facility clearances and individuals get and keep personal security clearances, which is big business in the Washington area. Mm. A lot of work in the federal contracting sphere is being designated as classified. Yep. So there's needs for the clearances, and I'm one of the guys uh, that's been doing this for some 30 years. Wow. One of the issues for individuals who are trying to get and keep clearances is pornography. Okay. And the government is very sly about how they question individuals about pornography. Pornography on its face is not a national security concern. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, but... Are we talking viewing or performing? <laughs> I got a great story about that for another <laughs> podcast. But uh, let's just say viewing. Yep. Uh, and if it is... If it's in the context of work... You could be on location for work. You got a work computer and you happen to access some pornography. Yep. You've just violated company policies. You violated U.S. policy. You got a lot of problems yeah, there. Wow. Secondly, a lot of people uh, uh, will uh, look at pornography and not understand the question that is often posed to them about it. Don't those girls look a little young? And you say, well, yes, some of them do. And you're right down the road towards uh, admitting to viewing and downloading child pornography. Child yes. And yes. this is an area that traps many good people. Yeah. And I'm adamant about trying to spread the word to individuals. Be careful what you say to investigators because you don't know how old these women are. Yeah. Nobody that I have met and represented is in favor of child pornography. Yeah. But the U.S. government will use the fact that some of these girls are portrayed, some of these actresses are portrayed yeah. as young, yeah. to give the impression that you know they're younger than usual. Yeah, and right. if you 
take that. They're as, really taken by surprise. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. Yeah. So I, I generally advise if you've got a clearance or want one, just drop pornography altogether. Yeah. Which means you guys wouldn't be able to get clearances in the United States. Yeah. We're out. We're out. Go on. It's like that Seinfeld episode. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Kramer was about eight minutes, wasn't he? <laughs> Three and a half minutes. <laughs> Sorry, so just go back. You, um, I love the fact that you said you can help many Darwin businesses. Yes. Um, yes. You know, what kind of... Hold on. Let me take it even back one step. I'm so excited that you guys are here that, you know, I love seeing my town go forward, right? Wow, I'm so proud of Ward Keller to even connect with you guys to get you here. So I guess the next step now is how do we let Darwin know you're here? Uh, just let Leon loose on social media. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram. For the program that Bill is here, the program yeah. Bill is here for, yeah. which is, I mean, there's, there's been help from the NT government. Uh, it's okay, sponsored or co-sponsored by AIDN Northern Territory, the Australian Industry Defense Network. Yep. Um, so we've got probably 75 folks registered for some portion of the program over the next three days. So word is out there amongst the the Darwin businesses okay. who are, yep. are interested. A lot of them already play in the Australian defense sandbox. Okay. They just haven't quite figured out how to do it in the U.S. sandbox, right. but are really right. keen to learn. Yeah. And yeah. not just not just learn the, the basics, but not just the, the science of bidding, right. but the art of bidding right. as well. Good point. And this, in my understanding, and if we've already covered this, apologies, but my understanding, this is helping Australian companies to tender, as we call it. I'll, I'll, Northern Territory companies. So, yes. So, local yeah. NT yeah. companies. Yeah. To tender for defense contracts involving the U.S. government. That's right, and I, I'm very optimistic uh, about the opportunities and the ability of uh, Northern Territory companies to take advantage of those opportunities. I wouldn't have traveled all the way from Washington D.C. to Darwin, although I love the people here and I like it, if I didn't think that there were good opportunities that these folks can take advantage of. It is. It appears daunting. It appears intimidating. Not so. Not yeah. if you know what you're doing. Yeah. And between uh, Brad and myself, uh, yeah. I think we can give them every tool available to not just compete but beat these guys at the, at the government contracting angle. And I suppose wow. we should point out that we're talking about $2 billion, yeah, billion yeah. with a B, over the next 10 years just in the Northern Territory. So do you guys turn up to these meetings with the head honcho from... U.S. defense here, and they go, what the bloody hell are you two doing here? No, uh, we're invited here. Oh, really? Uh, look, so this, they're expecting you. They want to capitalize right. on what is, and Brad and I have talked about this, what appears to be a growing presence of U.S. military forces in Darwin. Wow. And we've, you know, we've analyzed this, Brad and I, and we've concluded that this is a slow buildup because of U.S. and Australian interests in yep. the Asia-Pacific region, particularly with China nearby, yep. uh, with other countries nearby that may not have our best interest in mind collectively. Yep. and He's not saying Indonesia, but that's who he means. Yeah. <laughs> politically correct. I know. I am yep. being very that's, politically correct. Yep. Yep. So, uh, and, and what I mentioned uh, before to some other reporter or something is that Obama came here. 
He sure did. Sure did. Obama, My kids saw him, actually. Listen, Obama yeah. doesn't go anywhere. Pushing. He doesn't go anywhere with... He didn't go anywhere without meaning and purpose. Right. He, If he was going to set up a couple of troops here and there in yeah. Darwin, he would not have made the trip here. He came here to be filmed here, to speak here, because he's establishing a foothold here. Yeah. So I have told people in Darwin, because they expect this to be, you know huge and growing immediately. I said, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. The groundwork's been laid. Yeah. This is going to happen. It's going to happen over time. Brad and I have talked about the slow, incremental buildup of the way forces do it here uh, yeah. in Australia. And I'm telling you, in the next five to seven years, in my opinion, uh, this is going to be a big base. It was also worth noting that Obama was a big fan of TOT, so um, oh, he was still right, running at the right. time. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Michelle that's, had something to say about that. Tuesday for anyone that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard. So so what does TOT stand for, Peter? I'm not sure. But, uh, tits out Tuesday. Peter Kafka's yeah, told um, me about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and, and the nice thing about this spending is, unlike some of the other things in, in the Northern Territory, this isn't cyclical. You're not yeah, going to yeah. have ups and downs yeah. like you've had with the mining industry with all of a sudden the, the slowdown as Inpix moves from construction phase to operation phase. Mm. This is going to be steady state, and it's only going to be steady state on an upward trend for the next 10 years. Amen, my brother. And keep in mind as well. Wow. Uh, they yeah, don't call so cool. the United States Uncle Sugar for nothing. <laughs> they pay their bills. Yeah. And when they, uh, they dig in, they dig in in a grand way. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, they don't do things on a small scale. Yeah. They'll start small. Yeah. yeah. But uh, look, if Trump didn't want this here, he would have pulled it immediately. But Mattis and those guys see the value in a strategic uh, position here in Darwin. Yeah. I think things are only looking up. I'm, I'm being serious. Uh, from a political point of view, wow. and I, I guess from a defense point of view, it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Um, as I think Trump said the other day via tweet, um, you know, there's no greater allies in Australia and the US. And. Which day of the week was that? Which prime minister was that? <laughs> Just at the change right, right, right. Um, and, and you laugh, but I tell my American friends, now, now that I'm here in Australia, and I, I'm, as I learn Australian history, Australia has fought with the U.S. in every single conflict Correct. that America has fought in since, Austra- since the Federation. Correct. Yeah. You can't say that about it's Britain. It's actually can't something say that we're very any, proud about. can't too. say that about any other country. Amen. No, no. It, 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 yeah, I mean... It, it's it's not something I'm particularly into from a historical perspective, but it's a well-known fact that that we have, and Australians as a unit are very proud of that fact. Well, we are too, most of us anyway. Mm. Uh, I, I tell the story, and it's um, it's it's absolutely true. I've got friends in New York City, and I go to see some of the Yankee games on a regular basis, and periodically the uh, PMs will show up. From Australia, yeah, right. A guest of some of the big wigs in New York, yeah. And every single time, and I've been to three games where three different PMs have been there, yeah. Standing ovation from the Americans. Really? Oh, wow. So they they understand and and appreciate. Part and parcel. Wow. Wow. That's good. That's very. So it's uh, it it is a relationship that has transcended just mere economics. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, and crocodile Dundee. And crocodile yeah, Dundee. Yeah. And it, it's go, it goes deep. Yeah. And it goes wide. Uh, and, you know, as I've often said, there are 
I can't get too much detail, but there sure. are Australians that have free access yeah. to some of our most innermost secrets and vice versa. Yeah, okay. So the, the information that is shared between the two countries yeah. goes far deeper than you would even suspect. Well, I, I, I know having spent some time in the Middle East and and one of the, the roles that I did there, we actually dealt with US defence uh, with accommodation. Mm-hmm. Um, but my understanding, and I, I won't say I know this firsthand, but my understanding is that certainly in in each of the Gulf Wars... Um, the Australian elite troops and the Australian um, Air Force ha- have been involved at the beginning of the process. So the Aussies have been embedded before it starts and when it starts, the, the pilots, who, if, if you were here last week, you would have seen them flying above us. I'm sorry, I missed it. It's, uh, it. I mean, it's pretty spectacular for a capital city to have that going on on a daily basis. If you work in Winelli, so-so, it gets a bit loud there during the day. It, it was cool. I, I live in the city centre, yeah. but I face the airport, yeah. so I got to watch them from a distance yeah, no, every yeah, yeah. day and every night. It's, it was cool. It's it incredible. was really cool. No, it's it's cool. pretty incredible. But, but I think that... You know, again, Australians are proud of that fact that that our skills are valued in that defence situation, and that when something is going to kick off, we, we generally are involved pretty heavily. So, amen. Yeah. So there's something I'd like to touch on. I don't. I don't expect you to. Uh, you, you can go left. You can go right. You can go straight. That's completely well, up to you. Let me just start off before we close it out. Yes. Let me I just say nothing. I don't know what TOT stands for. Yeah. I'll, just, I'll just say that. Okay. Well, I'll leave that one. Um, but look, in recent times, uh, our government situation has been. I guess you'd define it. Not stable. We've had prime minister, regardless of political party, but. I'm finding the whole situation quite interesting at the moment in the US, the same as in Australia. Um, I was in the US in June for a month and loved talking to people and uh, trying to pick up the general vibe and mood of the place. You live in DC, Bill. What's going down? I think that wraps it up for today, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, speechless. Well, not by intent. Uh, our government is uh, in a state of uh, flux, not as like you, but the one thing I will give you is you know how to get rid of a leader. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> uh, true, true. We don't. Yep. And I will say that uh, it's stressful. Huh? Uh, I have friends and relatives all over the world, the only thing they want to talk about ever yeah, yeah. is uh, Trump and the organization. And uh, uh, I think the grand old party, the Republicans, uh, have taken a turn for the worse. Uh, they were at one point, mm. uh, for a long period, the grand old party. Yeah. And the Dems and the Republicans uh, you know, went back and forth and traded administrations and Got yep. things done, but by and large, put the interests of the United States yep. at the forefront. Uh, that no longer holds true. Uh. So we have a situation where uh, we're holding on. Uh, we're holding yep. on for dear life, actually. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's probably not dissimilar to here, to be I, honest. I, I guess I, I look at it, what's happening here from an outsider's view. And, you know, I, a little bit bigger picture. Yeah, prime ministers have come and gone over the last few years, but the Westminster system endures. Mm. 
You know, the, the, the institution survives even if prime ministers don't. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. Would you date yeah. that yeah. back to Obama as well? Because I, 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 I was sitting in Dubai and whenever it was as he was becoming the world's biggest celebrity and I just thought, to me, it was, it, he was a magnificent orator. He was a magnificent, uh, you know, handshaker and baby kisser. But I always felt there wasn't a lot of substance behind it. He got voted in and at the end of his eight years, and I'm by no means an expert, I kind of question what he actually achieved. I know they shut down the government several times and everybody was at loggerheads, but what did he actually achieve? Equanimity. Understand this. When Obama took office, the opposing party, the Republicans, publicly made clear what their agenda was for the next four to eight years. Defeat Obama at any intersection. Prevent him from doing anything. That was their outward expressed purpose. The Republican leadership on the Hill made it clear that no matter what Obama tried to do, we would defeat it. Mm. Period. So when you say, what did he do? He couldn't do it. He did everything he possibly could. Mm. And no matter what he did, regardless of the good that was behind it, Republicans said no. You've heard about the, you know, just say no Congress. Imagine swimming upstream in a waterfall every day of your life for eight years trying to achieve things. Uh, So, you know, what he did, uh, and I'm not defending Obama. I I happen to think he was a terrific president. Um, He saved the free fall of our economy and the world economy. Absolutely. I mean, we forget about how dire that circumstance was. Yeah. He got past health care, uniform health care in the United States, which to that point had been a pipe dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He did great things for the uh, environment. He preserved a lot of land in the United States for all time. Yep. He... um, he did a lot on climate change. He signed the Paris Accords. Yeah. He really propelled that forward. Mm. If you want to know what Obama <laughs> did, just look at everything Trump's done. Because okay. Trump's whole mission when he got into office was to yeah. do all Un- the good, undo, that, undo everything. Yeah. So everything that Trump has undone, yeah. that was Obama. Okay. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. This this is by no means a political show, so <laughs> you, you know, surprise I, me. I'd like to apologize to anyone that's going. What the hell are you idiots talking about today? But I would like to say, um, I was sad to hear about the um, death of John McCain over mm-hmm. the weekend. I, I, oh, okay. I, I, didn't, yeah. I don't, obviously didn't know the guy, but I always felt he had the country's best interests at heart, regardless of the issue. So I have a story about John McCain. Great. Oh, yeah. And I agree with you. Uh, I could disagree with him occasionally, but the thing about John McCain is he always welcomed disagreement. Yep. He may, dis- he may have a different view. Mm. than everybody, but he was an American first and foremost. And if anything or anybody threatened the infrastructure and the substance of democracy in the United States, he was the first to defend it, regardless mm. of party. Yep. That I admired. Yeah. He almost gave his life up for this country. Yeah. Many yeah. people forget that, and many in leadership today demean yep. that. Yep. But I'm telling you, he was. Because he was badly injured, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. Yes. And, and, but you need to read the story about John McCain when he was in the Han- Hanoi Hilton. Yeah. How he was given preferential treatment, offered pref- preferential treatment because yeah. he was the son of, a, of an admiral. Yeah. And he said, no. Declined. Okay. I want to be like the rest of my guys. Nice. 
Now, this was at a time when he was being tortured regularly. Mm. He was being starved. And he said no. Wow. Uh, this is a hero yeah, by yeah. any yeah, measure, yeah. regardless of what some of our leaders would say. But I was on an airplane uh, flying from D.C. to Phoenix on a Friday night many, many, many years ago. And these flights are always very busy in the summer, you know. And it was a small plane, and I'm in the, I, I booked late. And I'm in the very back of the plane. <laughs> I've got the last seat available. <laughs> and I trundle down there, and the plane is packed. It's hot. It's sweaty. And I'm, you know, getting down to the you know, seat, you know, zero, 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 <laughs> all the way to the back. And the I notice <laughs> that my seat is in the very back of the corner, and sitting in the middle was Senator John McCain. Wow. And it shocked me, so I said, excuse me, and they all got up, and as I walked by him to get into my little seat there in the tin can, I said, Senator, I would never imagine you'd be back here. And we sat down, and he said, well, this is my seat today. I said, you going home? He says, yeah. I said, why aren't you up front? And he said the following to me. He said, I'm going back not for vacation, but because I've got business for the people of Arizona, and I fly coach. Wow. Because yeah, they're paying I, for it. They're paying for it. Yeah, wow. That's what you need to know about John McCain. Wow, man of principle. And the Pakistan government, uh, meanwhile, have just announced last week that uh, no longer will they be travelling first class. Yeah, They'll just well, be travelling uh, business or whatever's in between. So, a humble man. Very much. Yeah. Wow. Uh, look, both sides of the aisle, as we say, will miss him. Yeah. Will mourn him. Uh, he was, a, I can honestly say, although I disagreed sometimes with him, a true patriot. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, look, as I said, we, we don't want to get too politically, uh, uh, too much depth, but I don't think there's a, ever an issue with debate. Debate's Amen. a good thing in politics. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Anyway. Oh, it's been, oh, it's, it's, hey, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks. Um, well, let me start with Bill. Thank you so much for your time. Brad, Bradley. I do one. Yeah. Bradley Torgan. Bradley when he's in trouble and Brad to his friends. Yeah, I hope we can do this again and uh, actually just have a bit more of a just a general chat. Yeah. Well, I've enjoyed the two peas in a pod and uh, can't wait for you to come to Washington and do a little segment there. Oh, that's cool. Cheers. Thanks Cheers for your time, that. guys. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you.